Big Fluff. Welcome to the Larbert Oaks Mansion Ghost Tour. Built in 1887, five generations of Farsleys have inhabited this mansion, and an unusual number of them have met their deaths under suspicious circumstances. Bad for them, but good for me. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a ghost tour. <laughs> <laughs> there are over 20 suspicious deaths. So during the tour, why don't you guys stay close by? We wouldn't want to make it 21 tonight, would we? <laughs> it's just after 10 p.m. This is the adult tour, which means you can drink if you want, and we can say whatever the hell we want. <laughs> Jizz. Sorry? Jizz by Cumshot. You can say that, because you said we can say whatever the hell we want. I'm sure. Or horse cock? Yeah, I guess. You know, there are no rules about swearing. Awesome. I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and I am joined by Big Vinegar himself, Lars Periwinkle. Yo, what's up, money? How's it going? Uh, it's going okay. That's good. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could, I wish you were better. Like, I won't, I won't lie, you know? But, oh, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I had some, um... Had some pretty bad health problems last week. Oh, That's why we had to go dark. Yeah, no, I'm. I hope you're feeling better, and I. I don't know if you want to discuss them on our. <laughs> um, you know what? I. I only don't because no one wants to hear it because it's health stuff, and our bodies are <clears throat> sacks of are, meat, uh, big, big, gross meat piles. Yeah, they're so rotting no sacks that. of meat. So yeah, yeah. Um, suffice it to say that I don't. I don't know that there's a best kind of colonoscopy, but emergency colonoscopy no. is not good. Oh, no. Yeah, because <laughs> I I have had to do a colonoscopy, but yeah, I also, I mean, maybe the, the plus side is I guess you didn't have to do the prep, which is uh, not no, fun. I, no, I, no, I totally did. I totally did. Oh, so you still, okay. I, yeah, I talked to a specialist and he was like, oh, that's bad. Um, here, drink this horrible stuff and come back tomorrow oh. when you're empty. And I said, okay, man. <laughs> like, honestly, that's the worst part of getting a colonoscopy is the prep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That, well, that's what everyone said, and they weren't lying. I, I, honestly, though, um, you know, anyone out there with a, I don't know, um, you know, any anyone out there with a, 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 a colon... <laughs> <laughs> if you have to if you have to get this procedure done the worst part of it is the night before and even that is not as bad as you think it oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. just go, go ahead and get it done yes uh and also yeah. i lars i applaud you uh for live streaming that footage on your twitch account like i thought that was a really cool thing that you did to try to encourage people to know that it's you know not a big deal and wasn't a big deal yeah, yeah and it was a perfect time to stream because i was just sitting there 
Yeah. You know what I, what I thought else. what I thought was amazing is the way that it synced up to the dark side of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> thought that was You think it won't work. You think it you think you have to be high and you just convince yourself that yeah. it works, but it does actually work. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, no, we watched it great fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. those mushrooms, those mushrooms really do move things along. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was fun. Uh, well, look, I, I could talk about your colonoscopy the whole show, but... Um, <laughs> could you really? Yeah, sure. Let's do a whole... Okay, cool. No, but I <laughs> I wanted to, to give people an update because I'm sure people were wondering about something that we talked about on the show recently. Uh, so I wanted to give the update. If you remember uh, a certain villain uh, picked a fight with me and my other show, oh, Silver Linings Playback. Oh, this fucking guy. Uh, but so that if you remember on when we had that conversation, uh, I talked about how that show and our show uh, were competing for the the Baltimore Sun reader poll best of Baltimore. Right. And if you recall, what I said on our show was it was dumb anyway, because neither one of our shows was going to win. Right. Well, the results are out and neither one of our shows won. <laughs> OK, so uh, I want to give. Congratulations to No Picks After Dark, which one? <laughs> what is that? Uh, um, it, it's a show called No Picks After Dark. Apparently, they won okay. last year too. So they're the uh, okay. they've won two years in a row. Congratulations to them; they are the winner. I uh, okay, also well wanted done. to give a thanks to uh, the honorable mentions, which are the Enough Podcast, mm -hmm. the Hartford Living or the Hartford County Living Podcast, and oh. Oh, what's what's that? There's one more on here. Uh -huh. Silver Linings Playback. <laughs> so, those, you know, those three honorable mentions and only those three shows and the winner just wanted to congratulate all of them. <laughs> really, uh, really toting around that uh, that tallest leprechaun trophy. Honorable. Like goddamn Stanley Cup. <laughs> honorable mention. Look, <laughs> it's the only award I've ever been given. <laughs> podcasting <laughs> and likely the only one that i ever will receive so i'll take it where i can get it thank you baltimore sun readers poll curious uh curious that the uh best of baltimore honorable mention podcast included something that includes that in the title the name of another county it seems like they should be disqualified i agree yeah yeah I yeah. mean, technically, you know what? Fair enough. Because, yeah, because neither you nor your co-host, uh, Andy McIntyre, live in Baltimore City, as far as I know. Uh, he he might live in Baltimore County. I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, don't okay. know. I don't know if that counts. I mean, he, li he lives in the, the greater Baltimore area. I live on the other side of the country, so I should be disqualified, as should uh, Marty McGuire from that unnamed other show uh, who also does not live anywhere near Baltimore, though yeah. closer than yeah. I do. So, yeah, I don't and I don't think I don't think Marty McGuire's co-host lives in lives Baltimore in either. city. Yeah, either. Yeah. So what else? Yeah, this is like when they I got do, that and we weren't nominated. Yeah, this is like that that statue that, you know, that big man woman statue like, you know, Baltimore just oh, always station Baltimore just always bringing people in from from outside it's that inferiority complex they're always giving awards to people who don't live in baltimore <laughs> like, okay gotta really embrace it 
But yeah. Well, congratulations to you. Thank you. And and Andy. I I don't I hope we at least get like a certificate. That'd be nice, right? Because uh, yeah. do you know <laughs> yes. Do you want to know the best part about all this to put a button on this? Uh. I had to text Andy to find out how we did because mm. I saw the results were up. But when I clicked on the link, it was behind a paywall. Oh fuck me. <laughs> so I was I was content to never know how we did. <laughs> uh but Andy, who I believe is a subscriber to the Baltimore Sun, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was able to <laughs> He's a subscriber to the Sun. Hey Andy, can you be a member of this thing and tell me what's going on? I got no fucking clue. Yeah. I just I thought that was I thought even an article. It's a li- like li- you're not allowed to know what our readers think is the best of Baltimore unless you give us money. <laughs> like, isn't that ads for that stuff? Uh, I I would think so. I thought that might might be the point. Right. Yeah, I thought that was very odd that it was behind a paywall. <laughs> like behind a paywall. Of course it is. Of yeah. course it is. Welcome yeah. to Maryland. I hope you brought your wallet. <laughs> That's why I left. I was like, if I have to drive through this fucking tunnel one more time and pay, yeah, what is it, pay $4 now? Whatever it is. It's- I'm, I'm moving to Los Angeles where everything is affordable. Yeah. Especially housing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, enough of that. You know what we should talk about is we lost um, a... I, I would say one of the great directors, but also fascinatingly, as I was reflecting on this, kind of almost in that like unsung great direct, like just a guy that never got brought up in the conversations. But then you like sit there and you go through his work and you're like, he did a lot of movies from my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Donner, who um, I think I think you hit the nail on the head by saying uh, unsung. Because ev- everyone has seen multiple Richard Donner movies. Everyone. Even if well, you haven't seen it, you've heard of more Richard Donner movies than you have seen Quentin Tarantino movies. Right. I guarantee you. Well, and that was the funny thing. Like, So as I was like preparing for this, like I, I did want to make sure I was like, I feel like I'm forgetting stuff. So I was like going through the list. And it's like you go through the list and I inevitably... Uh, you know, I think everyone kind of forgets. Like there, there were at least a handful of movies that when I was looking at, I'm like, "Well, wait, he did that." Like, or, but the biggest one, if if we're saying Richard Donner, and that's not clicking. I mean, first of all, probably most famously, he made the first uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movie. He right, right, was right, fired right. from the second Christopher left. I don't know exactly what happened there. He started out as the director of the second Christopher Reeve uh-huh. Superman, but did not finish that movie. Um, which I believe. That movie event didn't they release a Richard Donner cut of Superman two at some point? Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, but yeah, so he was instrumental in the those early uh, Superman movies. Uh, he did the Goonies. Um, yeah, he did. I think all of the Lethal Weapons, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, he did. He did all four Lethal Weapons. Yeah. Uh, plus. Uh, the one that I, the, the one that legit made me go, wait, wait, really? He did the Omen. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Did the Omen. I thought you were going to say Scrooged. And Scrooge. I, I actually had yeah. forgotten that he had done Scrooge, too. But the yeah. So all of those movies, yeah, that are iconic <laughs> movies from like mostly the 80s, I think, on that list. Some in the 90s uh, and the Omen was in the 70s. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a pretty healthy swath of like, you know, the, those formative years <laughs> in filmmaking. Oh, and all the Superman were the 70s. So, yeah, 70s, 80s, and then into the 90s as well. He also did the movie Maverick, which I have a weird affinity for because it used to be on HBO I like all Maverick the time. like Maverick, too. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And it it is a weird affinity. I, I, yeah. I also don't – like, I – you look at it on paper, and I should not be enjoying that movie anymore, but I, I still do like watching it. Well, it's also, on. like, even when I was young, I don't even know why – like, I think – that movie's almost hypnotic because it's like, yeah. let's watch, <laughs> like, old men <laughs> – soak in bathtubs and smoke uh-huh. cigars and play poker like none of that sounds appealing but somehow it it is it transfixed me every time like i well they get on that riverboat and james garner's throwing people into the water it's good stuff like it's i didn't even it was years after i had seen that movie for the first time that i that i knew that Maverick was a TV show. Oh, and yeah, James no Gardner was in it. I had yeah. no fucking clue. No, I knew none of that either. It meant nothing to me as a kid. But yeah, I used to watch that movie a lot as a kid. I feel like that and the Goonies are probably well, and Scrooged. I think at this point, yeah, are like because there's, Scrooge- there, there's a a shot in Scrooged that first of all, I love that movie. I just yes. do. Um, there's a shot of that that is so indicative of Richard Donner. It's a sweeping shot. He's walking into his building at the beginning. And the camera's on the ground a long ways away from Bill Murray. And it's just, it's following him from his profile. And it's sweeping along this um, this wet concrete as he as he's walking quickly to the door of this building. And I'm like, that's, that's fucking Richard Donner right there. That's yeah. the guy who made that shot. Yes. Yeah, I also love, too, that, like, uh, <laughs> I, I think what's fun about Richard Donner in that movie is because it's about a guy who runs a TV studio that he actually gets to do a lot of genres of things within the context of, like, their their shows on the network. Like, uh-huh. the day the reindeer died, <laughs> it's, like, great. Oh <laughs> and even that, I, I'm a huge fan of the the promo that uh that bill murray's character once played mm-hmm. for to promote the ebenezer scrooge like live. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrorist attacks acid rain <laughs> and then like an old lady dies and he wants it to run like run with a disclaimer <laughs> and like yep no scrooge is a- i don't and i don't know if you remember who plays the bob K- cratchit character in that movie oh bob Goldthwait. Is- say what Wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. The um, use Bob Cratchit. I was thinking Bobcat Goldthwait plays the. Oh, uh, uh, you know what? A bit. I guess there. I guess that Bob Cratchit character was kind of split into two. Well, no. Well, no. he's a Bob, Bobcat I, was a new character. I but would he's say. I, yeah. He popped into my mind because he's the guy who works for him. That like yes, it has the equivalent of wanting Christmas Day off in that like he gets fired right before Christmas. Yes, he he is the you know the the moon faced optimist. Yes, <laughs> who's like we don't want to scare people, right? Yeah. 
So, but sorry, then, who were you? Which character were you? I, w- I was thinking of Alfred Woodard. My oh, girl. Yeah. My lady for all time, Alfred Woodard, is is his um Well, yeah, because she has uh, the family and the the that kid fucking melts my heart every oh year when he says you forgot to say God bless us, everyone. That's a great movie. Come on. Come on. That is a that is a really great movie, and it's a Richard Donner movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like that, honestly, at this point, that might be the one I've seen the most. Cause I do watch that every Christmas at this point. Like, yes, yes, indeed. It, yes, yeah. Indeed. It's in the rotation. Uh, but yeah, like a, a very eclectic career. I mean, the Goonies obviously, uh, is a ridiculous movie from our childhoods, but right. uh, one that I care for a great bit. <laughs> and, yeah. And look, <clears throat> you touched on it briefly, but, um, the first Superman movie is better than it has any right to be. It's a movie made in the 70s. Yeah. You know? And you watch it now. And look, I'm not a Superman fan. So maybe there are folks out there who watch that more often than I do. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Um, last time I watched it, it was in the 21st century, but it was it was a long time ago. And looks good. Looks pretty fucking good. Yeah, well, and it it has that thing, too, where it's like... It definitely looks a little dated. I mean, that's unavoidable. But then I, I had that when when they made the new Superman, the Man of Steel, and like they had Zod in it where I'm like, like I'm sorry, like Leotard Zod in the 70s is so much more iconic than, you know, an actor that I love playing Zod now. Yeah. And Michael Shannon's great, but like. You guys aren't matching how fucking menacing it felt to watch Zod show up for the first time. You're right. And he was head to toe black satin. Yeah. And we were still like, that man is terrifying. Yes. Yeah. No, he, I'm still a little terrified. I don't even know who that actor is, but I, I'm a little scared of him. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, shit. I should remember his name. <clears throat> but, but no, those Donna, and I mean, I think that's the thing. One, you could see the wheels fall off of that franchise when Donner left. Like that, the the Superman movies stop being good pretty quick. Like yeah. once he's gone, and then the other thing is that they haven't been able to do that again. And that we had Superman Returns, and then the these like more recent crop, uh, and like no one has really been able to crack the formula of how to make a compelling Superman movie in the way that Donner did like that first Superman movie outside of the fact that I really hate the time travel thing at the end is stupid. Oh, sure. Sure. That is the weakest deus ex machina in a movie. <laughs> uh, also, I'm just realizing these are all Margot Kidder movies too. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, like the, the he understood Superman. I also, as a weird tangent that I can just say this now because of my recent pretentiousness, I've been, I really have been, I think I talked about it on the show. I've been trying to watch more older movies and watch AFI mm-hmm. movies, but I actually, for the first time watched the movie, uh, bringing up baby. And I got to see, uh, the Cary Grant character that Christopher Reeve based his portrait. And you can really see it that like, um, he really, both in styling yeah. and in the way he plays it, is really playing this. He's like an archaeologist character that Cary Grant plays in that movie with Catherine Hepburn, uh, which that movie is wild because yeah, if you, like like it's an an enjoyable old like black and white um, 
rom-com with the two of them but like it you can see it like he's wearing the hat and the glasses and he's sort of this very like uh you know uptight scared man even though he's a handsome statue of a man the fact that he's like just uncomfortable at all times like i i can definitely see like how uh like why that was what christopher reeve was going for um but yeah like that's um it, that movie is also wild because the whole thing baby is a leopard and yeah it's was made in 1938 so it has that added excitement of like people might have died making this that leopard might have <laughs> like come on if like two or three members of the crew got eaten by that leopard you could cover that up in 1938 <laughs> oh yeah no no totally yeah uh, a ba- baby is not who you think baby is yeah <laughs> But uh, which also I I ended up like going into that, like apparently Catherine Hepburn totally uh, just comfortable around the leopard. Cary Grant wisely wanted nothing to do with baby. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But anyway, you, you, that, can hear, you can hear too in Christopher Reeve's performance. You can you can definitely you can hear the kick. Cary Grant as well as everything else like, which, but there. yeah but uh, yeah and I mean uh, some of that does go to Christopher Reeve too of like Christopher Reeve understood the character a lot too but like yeah I, I always think because you know we tend to think a lot or I think a lot because I like Batman better about like the way that Keaton had like a Batman voice and a Bruce Wayne voice and there was that really clear like I, I honestly do even though I always thought the Superman thing is silly of like glasses and a hat make people not recognize him i think reeve did the best of anyone of really selling that they were two different people at least in the performance like you still have to suspend the disbelief with the look but he his like all of that uh yeah and i mean i think superman is a hard character to get right and so i really do respect that donner was able to do it and yeah like super inventive at the time for those flying effects were revolutionary when they happened like a hundred percent i i think about i always think when i think about that movie i always think about the scene where um he's a young clark kent and he's racing the train that's going through kansas yeah and look i mean it was made in the 70s it looks pretty goddamn good you know what i mean like i'm i'm there i get it you know? What's funny is the effects that he was like revolutionizing in the 70s are still pretty much if you're on like a lower budget cable show that needs right. someone to do that stuff, you're going to use the yeah. same effects. Like, like, Most obviously, definitely. like it's yeah. it's as good, if not better than a Sharknado effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which like is saying something considering, yeah, that like it's they haven't for lower budget films, they haven't improved upon what he was doing. <laughs> like, Right, 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 right. Um, He and his crew, but like they're not approving upon his vision. Right. You know, yeah. Of like this, it has to look at least this fucking good, guys. Am I right? Yeah. But no. Yeah. yeah I, I. So anyway. Yeah. Like Donner. Oh, also, <laughs> the other thing I wrote down that I did not know until. I, so in addition to doing the Goonies, he also directed the two-part video for Cindy Lauper's Goonies Are Good Enough, which uh-huh. I so fondly remember as a kid because Do you had really a, I. I just saw when I was when I was looking up his um his resume here. 
Um, I, I saw that and I have no memory of this whatsoever. It's one of the ones because there's the other one with uh, in girls just want to have fun uh, has Captain Lou Albano in it. But uh, the Goonies are good enough has a ton of old like 80s wrestlers. And I think Piper's in there. And like it's no just shit. It is chock full of 80s wrestlers. <laughs> like, wow. But yeah, I remember that song like I yeah, I, I don't know why it is etched in my brain for whatever reason that that Goonies are good enough video like because it was and it was the thing where it's like, you know, it, it's sort of evoking the movie and showing I, I honestly can't remember if it had the people from the movie in it or if it was just showing clips from the movie. But I remember like the Goonies actors were in it as well. And then the like the wrestlers and stuff. But yeah, like for whatever reason that that is in my head. <laughs> Like that Goonies are good enough video. Okay, fair. Enough. I, you know what? I'm probably when we're done here, I am going to watch these, watch these things for sure. Yeah, do yourself a favor. I mean, you can never go wrong going down a rabbit hole of watching Cindy Lauper '80s videos. I'll watch Cindy Lauper all goddamn day. Yeah, she she's great. She is great. I like her. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So like, Richard Donner lived. You know, as you, do you want to say your thing that you always say? When you're like, you're like, I feel nothing when old men die or whatever your catchphrase is. What in the <laughs> holy hell? <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, the thing you always say when we talk about old, old men dying, you're like, I dance on their graves. Like. <laughs> dance on their graves. Feel nothing. You want to you want to finish that one out? You want to do no, it, in all sincerity, I, I'm fucking with you. But you always say, like, there's no tragedy in an old man. There is. There is. There is yeah. no tragedy. And an old man dying. It's not yeah. tragic, but it is sad. Yes. Of course, yeah. Of course it's sad. When it's, yeah. You know, especially when it's um, someone so pro- prolific and affected our lives so much. I mean, lethal weapon, folks. Yeah. What? I don't. I know. I wouldn't be as happy today if I hadn't seen any lethal weapon movies. Yeah. We didn't talk much about them for whatever reason. I mean, we, what are you going to say? They're lethal weapon movies. They're yeah. fucking great. Yeah. I mean, they, they really, it, it's funny. Cause you can see it now that anytime anyone wants to kind of parody that sort of like buddy cop formula, they inevitably lean pretty heavily into parodying lethal weapon. <laughs> like, I think it really, it hit the tropes really like it helped define yeah. the tropes real hard <laughs> to that. Like, <laughs> Also, I mean, Jesus, like, Elf has Santa Claus saying, I'm getting too old for this stuff. Like, uh-huh. Like, I think that's what he says. I don't remember how they, I remember, I remember he doesn't say shit, but I don't remember how they, like. Oh, that would have been great. Ed Asner as Santa <laughs> Claus. And I'm too old for this fucking shit. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, like, Favreau really had to edit around Ed Asner's <laughs> famous potty mouth, like, on the set. <laughs> that guy yeah just you would think it would be james con but james con consummate professional it was actually asner that just you know yeah it was, it was asner going yeah. wild on it asner and zoe deschanel just yeah. all over that set spitting poison yeah <laughs> until mary steenburgen had to walk in the room and like shut them both down like she all just mary steenburgen <laughs> yeah can we just have a show where we just appreciate mary steenburgen yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, where how, we just all, how all of a sudden in the in the second act of her career she's a brilliant comedic actor. Yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah, can we just talk about Back to the Future Part Three? 
Yes. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about that one, actually. Okay. No. Well, then can we talk Dirty. about Curb Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> yeah, we totally can. <laughs> I was legit sad when in the show they had her and Ted Danson be divorced for storyline. I was like, don't do that. Uh, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. All right. Well, <laughs> I was. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, with me and Kirby enthusiasm is I like that show. I watch that show. I don't. I don't need like I, I don't need to tell anyone. I'm not breaking new ground. I like Kirby enthusiasm. It's a funny show. Cool. Here's the thing though. Is here's the formula. JB Smooth starts talking, and I start laughing, and I don't stop laughing until he stops talking. Oh. Which I think that Larry David is incredibly, like, just knows that. Because you can see it that J.B. Smooth kind of shows up as, like, one of the members of this family that's li living in his house. And at this point, every other remnant of that storyline has long since faded. But J.B. Smooth yeah. is just his best friend. Like, and they yeah. just hang out. Because, yes, because once you just let that man talk, it's funny. He has that ability that uh -huh. it is a rare ability that, like, he just makes you laugh just effortlessly. It doesn't even matter what he's saying. A lot of the shit he says um, can be, like, kind of problematic. And I'm thinking, you start to think about it, like, I don't, it sounds like it is, but I don't think it really is. I don't know. But the whole time you're laughing, that dude is hysterically funny. Yeah. And fascinating, dude, too. What, one of the things I know I've talked about is Molly and I kind of uh, will watch those architectural digest videos and stuff on YouTube <laughs> where they tour people's houses. They did a quarantine one with JB Smoove where he just took people uh, around his tricked out like giant RV. Like JB Smoove. Oh, no shit. And it was fascinating. He and he talked about the RV life and how like he hangs out with all these other RV people. But it's like it's an RV that looks like a rocker's tour bus. Like it is the nicest RV I've ever seen in my entire life. Of course life. it is. Of yeah. Course. Hey, sorry to interrupt. Sorry. I just got distracted. I think slow motion Wonder Woman just walked into the room. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was slow motion Wonder Woman. <laughs> Sorry. Yep, that was my lovely wife Julia. Anytime I I say slow motion Wonder Woman, she sings her song. <laughs> it's like slow motion Wonder Woman. It's any desert scene as well. Ah! <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> we are watching are our um our friend and friend of the show, uh, uh, Pat Stork, came over and we were watching the Snyder cut. And then, oh God, why? Had, um, gotta watch it. Gotta watch it. Had you not seen it? Or... No, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was this was when it first came out. Oh, I thought you meant like this week. No, no, no. This was this was homework. We had to watch it, right? Okay. Th yeah. No, sorry. I was. I thought you were saying like you guys just watched it like again. I yeah. Was like, why would no, you do I'm that? Doing, I'm not doing that again. No. As much as like, I mean, we covered it on the show. I didn't dislike it. In fact, like. I enjoyed it, but I'm same. not doing it ever same. again. Same and same. Yeah. Enjoyed yeah. watching it once, and I'm good. Yeah, it's like an Aronofsky. I I, I did it. I'm not doing it again. Yeah, um, I, I don't need to watch that refrigerator attack that old lady again. <sighs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> so, the every time 
the Wonder Woman slow motion started and and that music started, <laughs> Julia would do it as well. And like the sixth time she did it, I was like, okay, Julia, hold on. No. She's just doing what this movie's doing. This actually isn't her being obnoxious. It's this fucking movie being obnoxious. I, I also, in thinking back on that movie, once you commit to that bit, there's so much slow motion. Yeah, and then the 17th time she does it, <laughs> me and Pat are in stitches on the floor because they just kept happening. You know what? I I actually think this is the perfect segue to something else that I wanted to talk about on this show, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is I have been thinking a lot about Tim Robinson. Uh, who, you know, the uh, creator of the sketch comedy show, I Think You Should Leave, which just dropped its season two this week, which uh, I was telling you, I've already watched twice. Uh, you said you haven't watched it, but but we don't need to actually talk about the new season in any detail, which also, why mm-hmm. would you? Because you know what people love, like when you uh, talk recap comedy. That's, uh, but uh, but no, what I thought was interesting is just him as a person and his arc okay. as being this guy that now has probably the most popular sketch comedy show in existence right now. And one that like, you know, when the first season dropped, like became this monolith on just social media, like the amount of memes, the amount of references, the the guy dressed as a hot dog alone uh, saying, you know, like, we got to find out who did this, like immediately just became shorthand for any politician, any asshole, just like not being self-aware and trying to divert blame away from themselves. You would immediately see that. Oh, yeah, if, yeah totally. And this is this is what's so interesting is like, OK, from what I understand, um, SNL is still a thing. I had to jump off of that because. So as far as, <laughs> which far as, I, ske- like, as far as sketch comedy goes, go ahead. Sorry. Which I still watch Saturday Night Live and it's diminishing returns, but inevitably with the right host, there's like a few good sketches. <laughs> like, sure. It, I, there's always there's always one or two, but this yeah. is a 90 minute television oh, program. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Diminishing returns and more oh, bad boy. than good on most weeks. But but no, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, for all the reasons I'm not going to yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not starting in on SNL. That's low hanging fruit anyways. But when you think about um, sketch comedy and there's been a huge gap there, you know, and there usually is. And it's so. Usually that gap is filled um, from a surprising source. You know what I mean? Like um, Dave Chappelle's a brilliant stand-up comedian. Did we think that 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 show was going to be as iconic as it is? No one did. Same thing with Key and Peele, two guys who were on Mad TV, which look, there was a a lot of good shit that happened on Mad TV throughout the years. And then these two guys come out and their show again, like absolutely brilliant. And every time one of these shows goes off the air, you think, well, oh, man, I hope, you know, you, you kind of when you start to think about sketch comedy, I hope s- someone else comes along and you think about who it can be. Hopefully, you know, um, someone finds footing under their ground uh, on their ground. It's just like it's I like sketch comedy. I'd like to see some good stuff and people try and it doesn't quite hit or like it hits a little bit or whatever, you know, there's some been some good stuff. I would even say like, um, um, maybe, maybe not everyone in our audience saw it because it was on IFC and it's not on Netflix anymore either, but, um, uh, comedy bang, bang, 
it, that was another one of those shows where it's like, no, not iconic, but they're doing sketch comedy and it is legitimately funny yeah. a lot of the time, but it isn't everyone's taste. I get that. Yes. Th- this fucking guy, he leaves, he leaves Saturday Night Live not to become a movie star, not because it's my time and I'm popular or I have, I have this one really good idea or something and I'm going to end up with an HBO show that's going to take off. Tim Robinson's like, I got great sketches that I think are fucking hilarious and no one wants to put them on TV. Yeah. So I'm going to go see if I can find TV that will let me put my sketches on the air. Well, right. Yeah. I think I kind of love the arc of imagining Tim Robinson just really believing in it because I mean, this is every great, you'll hear this with anything like Queens Gambit is like that, where that guy, apparently that showrunner like pitched Queens Gambit for years and nobody saw like the thing of like where you're trying to do something and nobody understands it. But like, there's something particularly endearing about like, no, if they could just see the guy driving the wiener mobile into the department store. Like, I know it doesn't sound like a great sketch to you, but I know it. Like he, he picks up the suits and he tells the guy to paddle his bottom. Like it's, this is what America, and he was right. Like he understood. And I've been thinking about this a lot too, of just like, of course he was never going to work for Saturday night live. Cause again, we don't need to like litigate Saturday night live, but like no, 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 no. any of his, like the thing with his sketches is, they're a journey <laughs> like they they don't like Saturday Night Live is a formula. Um, and if you think about it, like, I don't know, one of the sketches from se- again, I'll, I'll try to stick to season one, because if you haven't seen season two, watch season two. But like, uh, <laughs> yeah, please don't. These will spoil this sketch comedy show. Yeah, Not that me. I think you can spoil it, but like, <laughs> but just because I know you haven't seen it yet. So to keep to the uh, references uh, to like season one, but like there's a sketch with, you know, um, Academy Award nominated actor Stephen Yoon, where like mm-hmm. uh, it's his birthday and he you know, is getting gifts and everyone's like, if you don't like it, uh, don't return it. And he's being like faux polite to everyone. And then Tim Robinson's character is like, well, if, if you're not going to return it, then, then give me back the receipt. And then he gives him back the receipt. And then he's like, well, okay, I'm going to eat the receipt if you don't care. And then he ends up like, it becomes about the fact that, uh, he, Stephen Yoon didn't properly wash his hands. And now he got like, poop from the receipt he's now eaten uh-huh. it and he's going to die and he also <laughs> wants to prove that which is like a hilarious journey of a sketch but also you could just see if that was saturday night live if you pitch that to saturday night live they would just be okay there's a guy and it's his birthday and the one person just believes that like that first beat you if you don't oh, yeah, like, just that first beat and also it would probably be rejected in the room anyways yeah. because well that's not gonna make youtube right but it's but it's that it's like saturday night live sketches tend to have one joke repeated mm-hmm. this is yeah, now it's, the it's thing one joke and they stretch it out for eight goddamn yeah. minutes now versus like i think his sketches are these like i said they're journeys like where they start <laughs> no, they, one- they totally are i i see them like this is um Okay, in nineteen, um, in nineteen sixty nine, Monty Python wrote a sketch about a guy trying to return a parrot that was clearly dead. Yeah, and I, you start with that conceit, and then the 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 rest of it, it's just go with an unnatural reaction, right? 
And there are so like the natural reaction to I bought this parrot from you. It is dead. I want to return it. That reaction is, oh, of course. Yeah. And then they return the parrot, right? Yeah. An unnatural reaction to that is anything you can think of. Anything else that isn't that is unnatural. And then the reaction to that will be a natural reaction. And that's what I'm talking. I mean, that's not groundbreaking. That's, that's, um, That's a person being a regular person. The straight man. Yeah. And another another person not being a regular person. And that is the funny man. And yeah. that's the two those are the two things. That's a really old formula. And for a reason, people still use it because it works. And that's that's what this show does, but it does it in such an interesting way. The opening sketch to his first episode of television <laughs> was like what there were two men. Two men in in a restaurant, and one is giving the other one a job interview. That's go that apparently goes very well because we catch the tail end of it. Yeah, it the seems like he has the job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he gets up to leave, and instead <laughs> of pushing the door open, which it does, he goes to try to pull it. And the man who just gave him the interview says, "Oh, I I think you actually you actually have to push on that door. It's not a pull." And he he's he will not concede that point. No, Which, this is a pull. Yeah. I was here yesterday. I know this door is actually a pull door. And that guy is not confrontational with him. He's not it doesn't matter. Like it nope. only matters to the Tim Robinson character. It only matters to that man <laughs> and he won't concede that point. Yeah. Now, anything that happens after that will be funny. Yes. <laughs> it just will be. Yeah. And the way it ends up is it's like one of the one of the Funniest, best openers I've ever seen. It's great. Yeah. So that's that's something that works. And the, apparently, especially in that first season, these are ideas he's pitching in the room every week and no one's interested or yeah. people are interested, but but Lorne Michaels is shutting them down or whatever. Like, or, I would fucking leave too, man. That shit is hilarious. Or again, like maybe they take the original idea, but by the time it gets run through the machine that is Saturday uh-huh. Night Live, it probably doesn't resemble that anymore. Like, because it, because like you said, it needs to create a character or it needs to like, you know, be a meme. Like, they, they're trying to create memes, which is the funny thing is he ended up creating a bunch of like, you know, <laughs> like gifts and all of this stuff from the show right, because of how good right. it was. But I feel like Saturday Night Live is like trying to make that stuff happen. They're also, one of the things I will point out about season two that made me very happy because I would certainly understand the instinct and even, you know, you talked about Key and Peele. They did this. You talked about Chappelle. He did this. Mm-hmm. There isn't a single like season one character that shows back up in season two. Like there isn't right, any on. like, what's the hot dog guy there up weren't to any characters, right? right? Like he didn't even, you know, he would wear different costumes, but he's not pretending to be but, a crazy person. It's He's a... And, all the sketches, he's a normal person who's just being weird. But I mean, you could see a, a world where some executive from Netflix is like, what if we see what, what if we, you mentioned Wiener Hall. What if we see the hot dog guy in Wiener Hall? Or like, you know, what if we see more of Patty Harrison in that office, like yelling about, like, or like, what's the guy, the the guy in the, um, the focus group? Like, I'm sure that guy doesn't show up. Oh, that, the focus, oh my yeah. God, the focus group. Man. But it's like, see, but you know this what I mean? Is the stuff, that shit. That shit, I don't, you probably, 
man, y'all got to watch this show. But I but think- you know what I mean is like someone else would have said like, bring back that guy. Now he's in a new focus group now or now he's in. The, it's yeah, the no. like the improv herald rule of like, well, let's put that guy in a different situation and see how he reacts. There's none right. of that. It's all the same kind of comedy, but new scenarios and and new like you said i mean the characters feels like a strong word because no one really feels like a distinct character but but no it's he didn't just do the same thing again like he it's and i think what's fascinating too is i had this experience with season one and i'm already having it with season two where it's like you watch it once and you're like i enjoyed this this is funny and maybe there's like a few things that stand out as like really funny and then it like worms its way into your brain (laughs) because i feel like the worlds that he's creating are so rich and have so many turns that you're like wait a second what like hold on let me what is that comment like what is it like there's just these little like wait so (laughs) so these guys show up at his house and they install a joke toilet and also they won't let him be part of the turbo team where they jump on his couches. Like, like there's so many choices in every sketch that are these very distinct, very like world building choices that you can't definitely, you definitely can't like you, you, you make, you make a commercial and it, and it starts, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> and then five minutes later, a full five minutes. And he's still building a scenario for which, you. Which and again, you're to, dying. Which again, to your point, classic comedy setup has this ever happened to you what you want as an audience is a very specific thing that you can't relate to that's that's Uh, what uh needs to be delivered but then the journey of delivering that to you is so specific and so weird and like has an arc to it like there's a story there's a journey like i I feel like every sketch has a journey to it (laughs) yeah i was man when that show came out and I got to watch the season two. I was so happy because if there's, if there's one thing um, that I crave more than most things, it's new comedy, just like new ideas in comedy. Let's just do, do something different. Show, you know, uh, you know, a phrase that I didn't know until, um, until Joel taught, taught it to me, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Just go for it. Yeah. And I'm, I am, I will be all in. And with this one, I wasn't even close to disappointed. It was so fucking funny. Yeah. I also, I, I feel like I've officially built this up too much. And now, yeah. and now my friend Ethan won't watch it, but it is really funny. <laughs> the last thing I'll say, cause yeah, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the, the show, which I love. Also, Sam Richardson is great. I haven't mentioned him specifically, but oh, Sam also, Richardson's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love, I love his career lately. Like he's in that, uh the um tomorrow, tomorrow Wars. War. like what yeah. how did that happen what was that mean it's so weird. <laughs> i haven't heard anything good about that movie but it's full of people that i love like yeah. like your sam richardson's mike mitchell yeah um uh you know i you know i'm, I'm really into the cast but i have no one said anything great about it yeah uh and i'm sure it's not great uh i'll watch it but but i'm fascinated that he's in it but uh no i think what i like too about uh i think you should leave is it's weirdly like the characters are sincere like they're just they they don't like 
they don't fit in in the worlds that they're in, but they're trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there's a weird sincerity to his character because one of the sketches I think about a lot is the Vanessa Bayer sketch from season uh-huh. one, where she's just with her friends, and it's like, well, we took a, a photo together, and we're gonna post it on Instagram, and then right. you write a yeah. self-deprecating comment to go along with the photo and she's just talking about um like we're all prize hogs at the yeah yeah, yeah. at one point she's like hanging out with these (laughs) ugly fat bitches jesus but like they're calling her out and she's like what you you said we were dum-dums like i i'm doing like it's just this like these characters that are like i'm doing what you're doing i don't understand why i'm not getting the same reaction as you we're doing the same thing you know like and i i really love that um yeah the last thing i'll say well two things one uh bob odenkirk showed up in this season and it made me so happy here we go i loved it here we go and two uh i just to say this uh because i don't want to forget this uh there's a sketch and there's all i will say about it it has sam richardson in it uh and he hosts the little buff boys competition okay but that sketch cracked molly up so much like it it hurt her laughing at it but then she loved it so much that she went to google to be like little buff boys and she typed that into google and that also cracked me up because if you type that into google you get results that are not the tim robinson show i am not doing that (laughs) yeah don't do that so So that's that's the public service announcement if you like that sketch don't don't search for it (sighs) okay i said that i'm doing it right now (laughs) i mean your computer's already on the list i'm sure is it um (laughs) this is my wife's computer oh perfect uh but little little buff boys little buff boys yeah um don't don't worry about it (laughs) um actually Tim Robinson's stuff is the only thing that's coming up. Oh, well, but this was day of. That it was like uh, the okay. day that dropped. Let me look at the... images. Yeah. No, oh no. dear. No. 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 See, no, no. see? no. See. Yeah, I think she was literally just trying to find like a still from the show to post like on social media. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why so, are children bodybuilding? That's yeah. not right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. So there you go. That was the public service announcement. Motherfucker. Which also, the funny thing too is that sketch was the closest to being like us, like to sort of almost being a callback to season one because season one has baby of the year, uh, but completely okay. different direction in the sketch. They felt completely different. They're both hosted by Sam Richardson, but uh, felt completely different. So I give them credit for that. I really wish I hadn't searched this. <laughs> I tried to tell you you didn't listen to me. There's no there's no seven year old that should have fucking washboard abs. That's <laughs> stupid. No. No one should, really. They should but, they, yeah. That's as far as I know, um until the age of nine, all I all I ever had were uh, chicken tenders, and I never finished all of them. Yeah, that's all any kid eats. They, yeah. you know, if you're lucky, they're shaped like dinosaurs. But we were poor, so <laughs> yeah, those were at other people's houses. <laughs> you dip those in some ketchup, the best sauce there is when you're that age. Yeah, ours were the the store brand uh, nuggies. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. um, no specific shape. Yeah, we had those. We had bags of cereal in my house. 
<laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah i have bags of cereal um yeah. i like the magic o's they're good they're, <laughs> they're good. good yeah i mean if you got the fruit o's they're okay but they're, the fruit they're... o's are okay you want the magic o's yeah, because 100%. i think those are frosted yeah those are a lot better <laughs> which is the that just means they have a third layer of sugar yes oh they're all sugar like they're, they're like all sugar. yeah because yeah. i think sugar must be cheap so they can't really replicate the experience of eating those more expensive right. brand names but they can sure put more sugar in <laughs> You know what? You know what always um, cracks me up when I think about it is um, you. You know, always had soda in the house. Like you had soda with dinner. It's weird because oh, yeah. I think I have I have two um, two soda pops a month now, if that. I really don't. And one of those is usually a ginger ale, which I'm not saying is healthy or anything. I'm just being like. Ginger ale is pretty goddamn innocuous. So I'll have like a ginger ale and a Pepsi and that's pretty much it. But we always yeah. had soda growing yeah. up. That's what we drank instead of water. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It was. All, yeah. I've now tried to reach a point where if I drink soda, it's like one of the like Mexican Cokes, you know, like oh, a, yeah, a yeah. bottle Mexican of it. Mexican Coke is fucking great. Yeah. But like a bottle of it occasionally. I try not to keep the stuff in my house. <laughs> you can't. I don't keep it in yeah. my house because I will drink it because yeah. it's good. It yes. tastes good. Yeah. But it is horrible for you. Make you like grow, you know, weird sacks out of your skull or something <laughs> like that. Like it's horrible shit. Yeah. But um. You think the the store brand of those like things had uh, things had funny names like you know a uh, uh, Mountain Breeze, Doctor Perky, Doctor Perky, yeah, Doctor Thunder, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The the substitute for a Coke or a Pepsi always cola, yeah, because well, there's no other name for it. Like yeah. if it's not the brand name, it's cola. Well, and because so Coke here, is here's Coke your and Pepsi are select cola. Yeah, because Pepsi, Cola, or Coca-Cola. So you're just taking the part of those words that you can use to evoke Exactly. It. And yeah. look, Cola is not a thing. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, um, you can't put a point on that. When someone says, define Cola, I, I don't know, like, brown, sugary acid drink. Like, you can't, you don't, there's, there's nothing to, you can't pin it down is what I'm saying. Yeah. Cola. Yeah. Boom. Uh, well, hey, we're we're almost out of time. Uh, I yeah. just I, I don't know. No, we can add add some time because you should cut out that whole cola thing. I just <laughs> no, we're keeping that. That's important, it's, motherfucker. Uh, but no, I just wanted to mention at the end uh, that I, I saw online that Terry Funk is having some health issues. Oh, uh, he's not doing really well overall, and. If that name doesn't ring a bell to you, Terry Funk is one of the, you know, to, to fit the theme with like Richard Donner and I guess with uh, Tim Robinson too, uh, one of the most underrated wrestlers that I've ever seen, like where he doesn't get talked about again, like, like in the way that Hulk Hogan or other guys, but like Terry Funk to anyone who loved ECW or hardcore wrestling or just like is a wrestling fan of like 70s wrestling, that dude had an amazing career is was super influential is one of the best wrestlers that like I've seen and, and doesn't often get talked about. And I am a huge fan of his uh, also because I have always been a fan of Mick Foley and that was his idol. So, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, you know, I'm going to say that like, I can't, I, I can't actually complete um, this simile but I, I was thinking about like great bands 
that are really great and influential that people don't talk about that should have made it bigger. Sparks. I, Terry Funk. Terry Sparks. Yeah. Sparks I just saw that great. documentary. I was, I was yeah. actually going to say Little Feet. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like Sparks. Some, yeah. Something like that. It's like a, like influenced so many people and you've never heard of them. Hold on. Let me let me show you something. Oh. All right. He's getting up. Uh, he's walked away. Um, I hope it's like a Little Feet album. That would be. <laughs> no, not a Little Feet album. It's. It's way better. Oh, booyah. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lars is holding up Strangle Mania. Is that a VHS? Can you play a VHS in your house? I can't play a VHS in my house. Yeah. This was a, a, I guess he's coming up again. This was a wedding gift from Pat. You're <laughs> yeah. a VHS of Strangle Mania. Yeah. If you, so if you remember, uh, longtime fans of the show from like, you know, a few years ago, you and your wife, Julia, your first date, I believe, was watching Stranglemania. We watched Stranglemania uh, on our first which date. Which also, yeah, because then Molly and I got you a cameo from Violent J for your and, wedding. And Vi- Violent J talked about our uh, wedding and our first date. It was but, incredible. But yeah, the main event of Stranglemania is, um, I think it's IWA. It's from a, a Japan Yep. death match with cactus jack and terry funk I, and, and it's we got just the vhs and on the cover is a bloodied fucked up terry funk yes which yeah i mean that match is like yeah the stuff that they like their matches in japan were <laughs> like infamous uh i also like one of the craziest matches i've ever seen in person was the ecw reunion show they so the one the wwe bought ecw uh then the the other people that had been part of it so the wwe had an ecw show and then everybody else that had been involved in ecw that didn't work for the wwe had their own show in philly at the ecw arena and terry funk i think terry funk and uh mick foley like showed up at both like both of them yeah but the main event of that involved uh it was terry funk i think it was him sam man and sabu and it was a barbed wire match. Jesus, see. And I, it's the only time I've ever seen a match where the ropes were replaced by barbed wire. And uh-huh. it's it's an adventure if you've never seen it. But uh, but yeah, Terry Funk uh, was an icon. And he really was. He was the guy that when ECW was trying to like find its footing, that they needed someone who was enough of a name to give them legitimacy. It was him. He was the guy yeah. that he, cause he had been a seventies wrestler. Like people knew who he was, him and Dory Funk, like were names. So it was like, we're going to bring this guy into our federation that operates out of a bingo hall in South Philly to show that we're legit. And it worked. Uh, and he was there for a long time. And yeah, that dude, I, he also, my favorite McFoley story ever from um, one of his memoirs is he uh-huh. said he grew up idolizing Terry Funk and he was like his punches always look so realistic and I could never figure out how he did it and then I wrestled him and I figured it out he punches you he punches you <laughs> right in the goddamn head <laughs> yeah so no really great and I'm I'm just I'm kind of re- I'm reading the cover of this VHS for the first time here and it's, <laughs> um watch at your own risk guaranteed to leave you with mental scars for life yep yeah that sounds right the bloodiest, goriest, deadliest pro wrestling ever seen. And I think, uh, to your point, talking about Terry Funk, um, the last little blurb here says, fuck Hulk Hogan, fuck Ric Flair. They're all a bunch of weak ass chumps compared to this. <laughs> 
Yeah. Also, one of, one of my favorite memories of Terry Funk, too, one of the like, because I actually think it's like, because, again, we're talking about the fact that he really punches people and that he's known for hardcore wrestling. One of the sweetest things I ever saw him do is there is the, again, infamous match, the Hell in the Cell between Mankind and The Undertaker. Hell in which, the Cell, too, yeah. Uh, which, like, everybody, if you know wrestling, you probably have at least seen clips from it. Uh, but that match, so... Mick Foley gets thrown off the cage through a table. That's supposed to happen. Then he right. climbs back up it. He gets yeah. choke slammed, falls through the top of the cage, and hits not the ring. Supposed to happen. That is not supposed to happen. And at that point, everyone is scrambling for what to do. And Undertaker ends up like jumping down into the ring. But they're like trying to give him time. Terry Funk, who was just there at ringside, <laughs> buys him time by like coming into the ring. And like getting in the Undertaker's face and getting the Undertaker to choke slam him, all like you know improvisation in the moment of like my friend just fell through this ring and the the we're in front of a live audience. People are checking on him to make sure he's okay, but everyone's staring. I'm gonna do this thing to like you know to, to like protect him and to, to you protect know. Him, protect him but also because he's a fucking artist yeah you know like we're going to keep this show going we need to make sure this performer is okay in the meantime i'm going to keep the audience involved in what's happening yeah. in the ring yeah and, Just, and and i can take it because he's a he's a performer he's an athlete he's an artist but that's yeah this just, is who these people are you know and yeah, I mean, they're just but, passionate about what they do and they know it inside and out yeah which I also, man, I remember to like, because now I'm just picturing that one. I want to watch Stranglemania, uh, which yeah, I think you is do. on YouTube, right? Like, it's on YouTube. You yeah, can yeah. totally watch Stranglemania. But because uh, I I've, I saw it years ago, but I haven't seen it in a long time. But uh, no, I remember that match that I watched too. Like, you know, barbed. Like, I think it gets lost the art of of hardcore wrestling. I mean, you replace the ropes with barbed wire. You kind of know what's happening there. But I, what I remember too is like. His ability to like someone would whip him into the ropes and he'd stop and almost like almost like Tom Cruise being suspended about like I'm stopping uh. inches from like <laughs> to tease it. I, he's going to go on the barbed wire because the man is hardcore and he's a crazy old man. But like he's going to sell it. There's going to be three times that you think he's going to fall into barbed wire before he actually does it. You know, like like there's a showmanship to it. Like there's an understanding of like you want to see me fall into this so i'm gonna get everything i can a lot of people can beat each other with chairs and you know like light bulbs and such but like you know the true artistry of understanding the fundamentals of wrestling when wrestling garbage matches absolutely yeah yeah, and also like not even um specifically to wrestling but understanding the the fundamentals of showmanship and yes. giving the crowd what they want yeah which which is why i think that like he doesn't get the credit he deserves i think he is Most his definitely. instincts for wrestling are some of the sharpest that i've ever seen and that dude is great and so yeah i mean like i said i just saw that he his health is not doing oh, super great dear. and so yeah. you know thoughts are with him and if you like wrestling and you, you don't know much about terry funk yeah watch strangle mania watch um anything you can find but like you know go watch him beat chainsaw charlie in like 90s oh, wwe man yeah <sighs> anyway epic. yeah fucking epic this no guy. i love that dude yeah he's uh anyway uh and he brought lars and julia together so that was what sealed the deal like in a, a way. lesser yeah, yeah, yeah. a yeah, lesser yeah, yeah. performer she might not have you know 
Like it might not have yeah, gone maybe. the same. We would ha- we would have <laughs> to ask her about that specifically because I was already um, pretty much all in at that point. But I figured ma- maybe yeah. for her that was that was the uh, the tipping point. Maybe yeah. Like you see Terry Funk, he, he puts you in the mood. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because you know. Um, no, I don't think it's actually because of this. I'm blowing smoke, but um, before. Before we watched Strangle Mania, we we were in you know she was living in uh, Brooklyn at the time, and went to one of um, her usual watering holes, and there was a guy wearing an ECW shirt. And when I complimented him on it, and he said, "Oh, you know ECW," I said, "I saw ECW <laughs> in Philly," and then um, it like he and the bartender it was like i just told them i saw the beatles at shea stadium they were like whoa just like tell me about the feeling that was in that room or something like that I'm like listen guys i don't know like i could i can tell you a lot about that evening it was incredible i'll never forget it but as far as like specific shit um one i was young two i that means that I was imbibing things that may have dulled my senses. Here um, uh, and three, I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't already know. the The feeling was this shit is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I. If this helps, um, the experience of being in the ECW arena. I mean the the crowd is everything that it's hyped up to be. They they love wrestling. They're passionate about it. They're super fun. It's really fun to be swept up in that and and be that part of the show. The actual ECW arena is a tiny sweat box that is way smaller and more cramped and hotter than you think it is because we only ever went in the summer and it's sweaty and you you stood outside in line all day because it was all general admission seating and then you went inside. It was hot. uh, You stood up on the bleachers and watched the show and it was the best wrestling that you ever saw in your life. It was the best wrestling you ever saw. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it smelled bad. It was cramped. Everything seems more dangerous there when you see it in person because you realize how small the space is yeah. and how much can go wrong and how easily it could possibly go wrong. Yeah, and there's not a bad seat because no matter where you are, you're about five feet away from the ring. <laughs> like, yeah, it, totally, totally. Yeah. And then these people who you just saw um, from this from this specific uh, genre of entertainment do the best thing you've ever seen. The best example of that genre you've ever seen just hang out afterwards. And some of them actually need a ride home afterwards. Like it was, which is all one awesome that you got to hang out with them and see them and talk to them. And two, kind of fucked up because like jesus christ (laughs) yeah yeah none of them were getting paid also yeah if you stayed in the holiday inn that was near there it was the only nice hotel to stay in and that's where the wrestlers from out of town stayed and if you went to that bar they would just be there drinking (laughs) like yeah like i saw the dudleys just hanging out in that bar well i i talked to devon because bubba ray was way too busy like dancing with two women at the same time so i i said hi to devon dudley in the bar but like yeah they would hang out if you stood in line they'd come up to you some of the wrestlers would come up and like interact with you before the show yes i i um i said hello to bubba ray dudley and you know guys do that thing you know you do the um the handshake and then you you put your shoulders into one another it's like kind of a half hug yeah um this man's power center of gravity and body mass is so powerful 
he put that shoulder into me. <laughs> I, I felt it for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for, hey, thanks for coming tonight. I'm like, what do you mean, thanks for coming tonight? <laughs> you were the you are one half of the best tag team I've ever seen in my entire life. Which honestly, that because um, I don't remember what show that you went to. So were you at the one that was their last show at the ECW arena? Or um, um, it it had to be. It had yeah. To be, uh, so because yeah. what I remember about that too, because they did one more show after the one we went to, but that was at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New okay, York. So okay. this was their last show at the ECW arena. And it exemplifies how I think of the the crowd from ECW because they came out and everyone was booing. They were bad guys anyway. They were heels. So everyone was booing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And then like everyone was chanting like you sold out. And then they being them like Bubba Ray's like leaning into the crowd trying to get people to punch him in the face. Like they're just being belligerent at the crowd that's yelling at them. And then... That lasts for as long as the segment lasts. Then it's over and it's time for them to leave. And the entire building starts chanting, please don't go. Please don't go. And they actually turn around and are kind of emotional. Like, it's just like the whole place knew we're going to boo you because we're supposed to because you're bad guys. But now that it's this break and you're actually leaving, we need you to know that we love you. (laughs) Like, we did that because that was the show, but, like, we love you, and we're sad that you're leaving ECW and going to the WWE. Yeah, yeah, because we're all in on the show, too. Like, it's... Yeah. It's, um... It's it's vaudeville. It's burlesque. It's performance art. Yeah. Um, It's it's all of that, and I don't... um, You know, we're not... We talk more about wrestling on this show recently than we when we ever we really have but I, yeah well i think it's because like you know with with things being what they are no it's not wrestling isn't perfect and there are issues with it and there have been issues with it but like the art form itself is so it's so uniquely it's so uniquely us and it's yes. been such a big part of um the entertainment that we consume for so long that well, it's, it's all um, i mean all of that the roots are in like old circus performers like that's right, where right, wrestling right. comes from <laughs> like yeah. yeah no it's great yeah. it's yeah and so many great artists who have been doing it for so well i mean i say artists but it's some people say athletes um i i think it's all of those things i think it's just a it's um not it's it's not consumed um everywhere but it's become a big part of a lot of other cultures too you know you know uh, your 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 lucha libres and then um in japan they're doing their own thing this is this is something that's and we all unite with that's the thing this isn't this isn't every two four years with olympics of we're gonna get we're all gonna get together and compete against each other it's all international all the time and we're always celebrating people who do it well well, and, and yeah, and that's the cool thing, too, that is sort of this universal thing of because fans understand how things work, like we said, like Mick Foley and Terry Funk could go to Japan and they could wrestle there. And like right. Lucha Libres like came here and it's like even if there's a language barrier, the universal understanding of what wrestling is means that like you can get in front of any audience and those performers are all talented enough that like we understand what's happening because it's all visual storytelling. And so you don't need to speak a language, you know, like to speak the same language as the people. Like, it's just, it's great. It's bad and terrible and trashy and great. And I love it. And uh, Terry Funk was great. One of the best at it. And, you know, like, so my thoughts are with him. Yeah. We we wish him the best, but also Terry, 
you've done your time, man. Boy, oh, yeah. Boy, did you put it out there for us. I just hope that you, wherever you are, you're comfortable and happy because yep. fuck me, have you have you earned that? Yes. Yeah. And also, Jesus, the, with the wrestling thing, like they, it's not always a great job of like taking care of the older performers. So well, yeah, I, yeah, I hope you are well going around loved. Yeah. Uh, so remember, question everything. Yeah, shut up and get a lawyer.
remember Terry Funk telling me on the night I wrestled Norman the Lunatic, I think the paper was called Wild Thing, it was Ric Flair's 42nd birthday, how I got an invite to Nature Boy's birthday, I don't know, and everyone's kind of patting me on the back because I'd taken some big bumps, and then Terry Funk cuts a little promo on me about the angel and the devil. Cactus Jack, people want to talk about your bumps. Norman was the angel out there, but there was no, and he has this, this deep story about coming up to the devil lying in the gutter and the, why are you there? He, the devil says, don't you understand? Without me, there is no him. And he says, Norman was that angel and you weren't there for him. Son, or whatever, in order for those bumps to mean what they could be, you have to learn to put into another gear. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. But sometimes... They look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.